When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Hi. This is episode 18 of the Flixwatcher podcast. This episode, we will be discussing the Colin Firth frenetic, action-packed comic books, superhero, spy, whatever it is. It's a film. Film with the delightful Michelle from Hello Magazine and awesome Adam from Fixer International. As always, guys, we have all the show notes online at flixwatcher.tv for all the episodes, so please come and visit us there. Of course, join us on Twitter at flixwatcherpod and please come to iTunes, rate us and subscribe. And as we always say, guys, all the films were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There was going to be bad language, there's going to be spoilers, and we hope you enjoy it. You've heard their voices on episodes such as Jet Li's The One and The Talented Mr. Ripley, that's Jay and Tony, but also they've got other people as Greg and there's Toby as well. But those guys are the unsung heroes of Flixwatcher Podcast and we really want to send people their way. If you want to be a podcaster and you like the way Flixwatcher sounds, then you need to be in contact with these guys because they do all our editing and make what we do sound good. You know all the ums and ahs that you hear? You what ums and ahs? Exactly, what ums and ahs? Exactly, because they take them all out and they make it sound awesome. And they've had to deal with didgeridoos, they've had to deal with people hoovering and they've taken all that out. So we really think these guys are top notch. If you want to start your podcast, not sure how to edit it, you need to get in contact with these guys. Podcast at glpro.co.uk or on Twitter is at glprouk and tell them that Kobe and Helen sent you and they'll give you 10% off your first order. So give them a shout. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Pod and today we are joined by Michelle and Adam. If you'd like to say hello and tell us a little bit more about where we can find you online. Hi, I'm Michelle Johnson. I am a film journalist with Hello Magazine and yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at, at Shell A. Johnson, which is C-H-E-L-L-E. That's me really. My name is Adam Farina. I'm MD of Fixer International, which works across uh, entertainment media and entertainment media events and uh, you can't find me. and we're here talking about kingsman which is michelle's choice so can you give us a synopsis of kingsman and tell us why you why you picked it first well full disclosure i have just come back from a week sick and when i'm ill i binge watch what i binge watch for comfort films i just need action i need easy to follow plots i need something that doesn't make me think too hard but that will give me brilliant fever dreams and kingsman kind of does that it's Michael Vaughan, who did, directed by Michael Vaughan, who uh, obviously did Kick-Ass, Stardust. Matthew Vaughan. Do I keep saying Michael? Oh, Oh. (laughs) sweet revenge. Sweet revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew Vaughan, I apologise, did X-Men First Class, Kick-Ass, Stardust. 
he based Kingsman off of a graphic novel comic book by M- Mark Miller. Yeah. Could be Mike. Could be Michael. <laughs> could be Martin. Could be Mac. Um, called The Secret Service. It's very loosely based. But it's basically young working class British lads played by the lovely Taryn Edgerton. Egerton? Edgerton. I think it's, it's Edgerton. Edgerton. I think it's Egerton, isn't it? I, I, I've heard it said Edgerton, but... I'm going to go with Edgerton. Yeah. Edgerton. Um, also in Eddie the Eagle, yeah. which is another... Used to be on... Is it still on Netflix? But was fantastic. Yeah. So Taryn plays a young working class lad who gets in a lot of trouble, but is then brought into this world of super secret, super elite gentleman spies by the very lovely Colin Firth, who plays Galahad. As you can probably tell by that name, obviously, it's all based on the Arthurian legends, based in a tailor shop, Michael Caine as Arthur, Mark Strong as Merlin, the kind of tech support, the lovely kind of Mark. Hugh character. And it's all just very strange. While they're, they're trying to replace one of the fallen members, Lancelot, so each of the round table gets to nominate a young rising star, most of them from Oxbridge, including a female character called Roxy, who kind of becomes Eggsy, Taran's, what would you Conf- call it? Friend, friend confidant. Don. A little bit of sexual tension, hopefully for the sequel. And they go through their trainings. They've got that lovely, mon- well, not montage, but that lovely storyline. And then on the opposite side, you've got Samuel L. Jackson as a technological entrepreneur slash evil villain. With a lisp. With a lisp and a fear of blood and violence. Assisted by a woman called Gazelle, who is kind of like Blade Runner, but the Oscar Pistorius style, without the dodgy (laughs) background, who kills people with her blades, which is kind of awesome to see. And it's just a lot of comic book violence culminating in probably my favourite scene in, in one of Matthew Vaughan's films, which is Colin Firth completely decimating a church congregation when kind of poisoned by this air wave rage signal that Samuel L. Jackson's Valentine sets off. And it's just it's just kind of delightful gore, really. To the, to the soundtrack of Leonard Skinner's Freebird, yes. which yep. is yes. a song Very that I've been trying to nail on guitar for years. <laughs> Get it on the ukulele. <laughs> I'm not just not sure I can get into the solo that hard on the on, yeah, the, on the ukulele. Might break a few strings. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, but that's a pretty sketchy summary of Kingsman, really. Yeah, well, it's good. So it's pretty good synopsis there. Definitely, yeah. Who wants to kick us off the chat about it? And what you thought, Michelle? What What were your thoughts on Kingsman? How many times have you seen it before? And I've seen it a couple of times. Saw it obviously being a film journalist. I saw it on one of the previews. A friend dragged me to see it, and then I saw it while feverish and horrific. Yeah, it's just really easy to watch. It's just got the right amount of hilarious violence, just witty one-liners, and Colin Firth kind of being a badass, which I just enjoy, yeah. just on a fundamental level. And Michael Caine playing a character, pretending to be posh, but also playing a character pretending to be posh, which is always a delight. And it's it's just, it's completely ridiculous. Well, what do you think about the backdrop to it? Because when I was watching it, you know, there was an awful lot of, production value to the fact that they make everything see my my problem is is that the the whole thing about being a sleek and sexy sort of secret agent can get overplayed very very quickly over the years and you know it's it's sort of it's got you know hints and flavors of james bond and it's also got hints and flavors of you know anything that you can push a button and suddenly the wall changes into a cyanide dart you know loaded with a bunch of firearms and such and i thought it wasn't going to work like 
I, I didn't think it was going to work, but the humour carried it for me. Well, I think it's satire. I think, think absolutely. I think it's it's overly slick. I mean, it's a Savile Row tailor shop. Well, it's it's a secret government agency in the basement of some huge historical mansion masquerading as a Savile Row tailor shop. That's that's ridiculous, even for a spy thriller. <laughs> it's it's completely absurd. I think that the class stuff, the, the overtones of the kind of class distinction that everyone who's working class is kind of doing nothing, and but. Then you've, and then everyone in the secret agency is super, very, very well spoken. And just Does it feel a bit like Harry Potter almost? Yeah, totally. But with parachutes that don't open, <laughs> which would be difficult. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, because you've got that spell, don't you? To... And pugs and dogs. <laughs> it's adorable. The dog was very cute. Oh, so cute. What kind of dog was it? Pug. It pug. Pug. Was, it, was it a pug? Yeah. 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 It wasn't going to get any bigger. No. Ever. <laughs> I thought it was a bulldog. Well, no, I don't. I, you know, ironically, I'm a dog lover, but I, you know, you pug's see, not for you. No, <laughs> you see, you know what my problem is is that you can put him in a handbag. You need yeah. a big dog, and I just need and a dog. At one, at one scene, or he put a it really nice. You he need put it into his flapjack, didn't he? Yeah, flapjack. You know, flapjack. 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 And that's the thing I have with dogs. Is that if I look at it, I, I once saw a, a sort of a really cool internet photo with uh, three pugs dressed up as characters, or, or at least in the wardrobe of Game of Thrones. Right. I thought that's wonderful, but I didn't identify them as pugs. I was like, that's that's just really cool. But now, whenever I see like a dog that's no bigger than a ruler, I just think, oh, some, so, someone's put that in a handbag and just carried it around. Or is it just that we need to get you a really nice handbag for Christmas? Yes. <laughs> put your pug you pick in. through this facade. I tell you. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I well, no, I mean, coming back to the movie. But there were other things as well, though, that happened in the film. Which, looking at it, that's why I wasn't initially interested in it mm. because basically you've got a chav who makes it great, yeah. Mm. You know, and I, I don't like chavs. I don't like, um, <laughs> I don't like anyone who can kind of go around, you know, with sort of Louis Vuitton or that sort of weird baseball cap thing that goes on. I'm, you know, I, I, I but for he me, does parkour. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> Fantastic. Which just well, I do origami. You know, I can fold you into a swan if I need to. But no, it's just one of those. Weird, <laughs> it's just one of those weird ones where I think the movie looked amazing, but it just dichotomized the fact of the the sort of the elite gentleman's secret society that was full of you know sort of assassins and the ability to be very effective. And you're bringing in something I think socially. I you know I just have a bit of a, an edge to, including dogs that you can put into handbags, <laughs> but. No, I mean, I thought it was really cool, but I do, I do think you pick up on something specifically was that it made certain scenes not necessarily part of the the common thread story, really, really, really cool. Which was the you know the ultraviolence scene in the church. Mm. There are just elements where you also sort of I think have a better movie than what you'd expect. The thing is that I found about Kingsman, and the reason I'm I'm so fond of it as a I can't concentrate, I need some entertainment, and this I think is pure entertainment there are things where it really falls down and that is the simplicity of some of the characters like you say you've got that every it's satire but it's it's not there's not much to the characters yeah yeah you've also not got any in my view decent representation of of kind of people of color in london i mean you've got samuel L. jackson and then you've got this huge working class secondary cast and the only black guy in the pub presumably east or southeast london is Exy's mate he's the only one well no you got Exy's mate and then on the other guys there's a there's, oh, another, there's, another, there? there's another person of color was he kind of sitting in the back no they're both they're both involved you had Exy's mates and then you had the other gang so they had representation on both sides but but you see this but in the, the main characters yeah but there wasn't yeah there wasn't in the main character there wasn't in the kingsman 
but flock. I, but actually saying this though is you know I think you know Samuel L. Jackson when he's in a movie can complete it doesn't matter if you're black white red all over okay the second he's in a movie you've just basically got someone who's epitomized as the blackest guy in the room <laughs> and he's literally someone who will you know completely take over I think a lot of scenes character types to the point where you've you've got someone who you know, I mean, if we look back at the, the, the character and history of, of Samuel L. Jackson, he's been in more, he's like the, the, the biggest actor, like pound for pound. He's like, yeah. Oh, really? like a, yeah. And he's just, he's just done so many movies where he injects his level of archetype, character type, you know, sort of a strong, sassy, you know, anything he does is just amazing. And I think a lot of the time he can overshadow anyone else who's in the movie. It doesn't matter about race. It doesn't matter about whatever. No, but the point the point that I was making is that if if you're looking at it in terms of, of if in the, the pitfalls of it, in the simplicity of it, and that's part of the simplicity. Does that make sense? Like when you were saying that you were talking about it's just that a chav makes good. Yeah. There's hugely posh people, there's hugely there's huge working class people, and that is the dichotomy. It doesn't represent London if it's set in London. So there isn't kind of a visual representation. How was the comic? Very, very different, hugely different. Not in terms of, of representation, just a totally different story, different names. But how old is it though? So I mean, how, 2012. Oh, sorry, I've got no it's idea. recent. 2012. Okay, so it's, re- it's recent. Okay. I, I, I don't know. This is one of those films where I don't think there's any need to kind of draw no, kind of like not in that universe. a no. meaning out of it in terms of representation. No, it's, exactly. It's, that's it's, what it's, I meant. It's Chav gone good. It's, yeah. There's that funny moment where he says, Have you seen what ends up being Educating Rita? No, my, my Fair Lady. Oh, My Fair Lady, yeah. Yeah. So it's, referring to other stories where there's been this someone... pretty woman yeah, is a reference yeah and what's the other one come with the first one pygmalion no no no. <laughs> i don't know i don't know why that came to my mind but there's that so that's that's the story they're referencing mm. there and this is the one the one person p- plucked out of trading places, trading yeah, places. Yeah. yeah 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 there you go it says plucked out of a of a from a situation where you, you know a, a disadvantaged situation and you've given you've been given access to um, a world that you hadn't. Yeah, particularly it is very considered. much my fair lady with guns. That's how yeah. we should have synopsized it. <laughs> now I understand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought you, uh, it's one of those films I wouldn't think, I wouldn't have thought too much about it. But Samuel L. Jackson has that sort of presence when yeah. you know you can, and, and I and I sort of say this with all sort of candor. When you look at something that is is sort of you know what's seen as being traditionally British. And then offset with, you know, sort of a more sort of contemporary sociological, you know, lower middle class stratus, you know, sort of a strata of, okay, right, well, I'm I'm going to be the underdog and I'm going to come up. And then you cast someone like Samuel Jackson, you know, he changes every movie that he's been in. And I'm not to say that that's sort of any sort of social commentary, but it's it, it makes it difficult then to appreciate other elements of, of how you watch a film and how you watch a movie, I think. I mean, again, when we talk about sort of movies like, you know, sort of trading places and you know, with Eddie Murphy being so powerful, but then also other elements of, of, of films that he's been in. He he's the staple. He yeah. become he becomes what you know. If you get, if your attention and your on your sort of mind's eye is going to draw elsewhere, because to be refreshed, having him in a movie achieves that. Yeah. So well, back in the eighties and nineties. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we can just all agree he's just a cool motherfucker, really. Yeah, that is. Samuel L. Jackson yeah. or Eddie Murphy or both. Well, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel, yeah. But I mean, the, I mean that list thing. Did that get to people a bit? A little bit. It was a bit annoying, but he did it it's on purpose. And yeah. I, I actually Googled, why does Samuel really? Jackson have a lisp in and what The Kingsman? Did, what did you find? And it was, I think he wanted to do it. He approached Matthew Vaughan and said, I want to do it because obviously villains aren't really seen as like kind of having 
impediments like that mm. and he, he wanted it to be sort of remem memorable but yeah. it is on purpose and it's not kind of because he had I don't know something wrong with his teeth and it oh yeah, yeah. I, I got yeah. that it was on purpose but I didn't I didn't see the, but but it he, I, that kind of ties in with the fear of blood and seeing it's yeah. very it's a very weak man for a villain you expect someone who's kind of yeah, he doesn't really do any fighting or anything like no, that no. Um, I mean this might be sort of Sam Jackson as an actor or whatever but every what I've noticed in, the, in his more contemporary roles is obviously, you know, when you get to the status that he's achieved, he can implement something in the same way that Tom Cruise, when he was doing Tropic Thunder, yeah. sort of brought in this creativity, which yeah, yeah. was, I think, you know, sort of completely unique. You're like, oh God, this isn't going to work. You know, having, you know, what's his name in the in Tropic Thunder? Is anyone else? Ben Stiller? No, no, Tom oh, Cruise. Oh, no, I don't know what the Well, he, you know, when he Just starts... Tom Cruise's character. Yeah, that's yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom Cruise's character starts sort of, you know, moving around and dancing and such. And, and I think when you get... Exactly. You know, Michelle is, is I'm... dancing literally right now in front of us. Honestly, when you get something into a character like that, you can kind of hold on to it. So even though no one might have mentioned a lisp yeah. or some kind of idiosyncrasy or, or something that's very sort of small character base because you have that status you can bring it in and you make it work yeah has anyone seen a miss uh miss peregrine's school for yeah. Yeah. children is it? yeah i've not seen it yet, no. he didn't he didn't do anything remotely sort of creative or unique for that other than be a scary motherfucker <laughs> with the contact lenses and everything else and i just think that when he sort of needed to be a bad guy for this movie he had to find something that was twisted well, well it's interesting that you say that i think that it's it's just I mean, I didn't think that that far into it. I literally just thought, you know, this is just a hilariously funny movie. With He's just having a comic lot of fun doing it. Yeah, and the whole thing is so stylized. It's got exactly the same beats as First Class. It's completely ridiculous. It's X-Men First Class. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's obviously it's he Ma Matthew Vaughan. I keep wanting to say Michael <laughs> Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman wrote this adapted screenplay, and so you do just get that that ridiculous gold tinged high just it's very frenetic yeah well they come from good stock stops. don't they because mm. jane goldman do kick, kick ass. ass as well yeah. Yeah. yeah so they've been a solid team now for a while and they've you know like same with marvel films they've worked out what works yeah they get a massive cast very star-studded occasionally maybe getting an actor to play a role that you don't expect big show pieces lots of ultraviolet very slick broad humor and they just managed to make it engaging throughout mm. the whole film. And they managed to make a lot of money yeah. and reach a very, very big demographic. So what do you think? We talked about Slick and we talked about the ultraviolence, but I want to talk a bit about that, those fight scenes. And the reason I want to talk about it, because I've seen films recently, recently like Logan, John Wick 1 and 2, and what's that film set in the Philippines? Oh, the Raid. The Raid, yeah. 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 So I've, I've really can to love those kind of films where things seem a lot more visceral and real yeah. and the fight scenes more you feel the punches coming yeah kingsman is ultra there's lots of lots and lots of violence going on in there and we'll talk about the, the church scene as an example i'm sure but that it had that kind of gloss and had the kind of cgi sheen over it that mm. kind of for me watching it again for over the past couple of days took a bit away from it yeah having seen recently logan where you think you know see logan there's always enough, going through the, there's always an escalation i mean i i remember watching Kingsman for the first time, yeah, and just thinking that um, the character Gazelle, yeah, was amazing because of her, you know, she's got these sort of you know prosthetic feet, yeah, that will just 
and, and and I've never seen really I've never seen that outside of a James Bond movie mm-hmm. where there's a bit of creativity to how the you know one of the hench people or one of the additional sort of side characters actually is is an attention grabber and scene stealer. Even in the posters, she just looks incredible. Mm. And there's a lot, and you know, to, to to kind of take advantage of that, I think is is amazing. I think you know it's very rarely done. Yeah, it takes a certain sort of you know confident stance to be able to incorporate a character that does that because it also empowers people it's very who, tarantino yes yeah. yeah and i think the ultraviolence in general is that's what i think yes, that, with humor and music that's not a kill bill type of yeah feel to it yeah but then you, you mentioned how you've seen you know more recent films such as logan yeah and sometimes you think well actually okay now that's being done as mainstream well it's actually not each one is a snapshot of the time where people you know producers directors made a confident decision to say right we're going to bring this into the story we're going to make it work and it does and it makes it more interesting to watch especially with the ultraviolence side of things yeah so i i, I i'm with you on that one well, and, it would, think... and it wouldn't work with the comedic side of things yeah at all the, the raids is not a funny film it's an excellent film yeah but there's no there's not many comic beats in that and you and you couldn't it would be hard to reconcile them both together but it's like logan imagine i mean logan is this beautiful swan song about new relationships and old relationships mm. and what's a swan song it's sort of a, a final farewell uh, a oh. kind of fix it's Actually, the fact I'm that singing. <laughs> and logan is very much that like you kind of you you feel very very strongly in each scene i mm. mean even the trailer with johnny cash singing her over the top of it that kind of exemplifies the the feel of the movie you couldn't have tarantino matthew vaughn style hilarious bright red blood ultra violence yeah, yeah. in the middle of kind of professor x losing his mind and logan fighting for his life and yeah. fighting for a child it's like you can't have that it doesn't make sense it's it's genre so in the same vein this this isn't an emotional movie at all <laughs> it's just people kicking butt but but saying that though and i think we'd sort of pick up on a kind of interesting angle from you know, the Logan violence aspect of it. Because has, has anyone seen Train to Busan? Yes, no. amazing film. I recently saw that. I kept screwing up the name of that. I was like, Road to Busan. But that is just talking about the violence that's involved in it. I mm. thought it was very kindred to 28 Days Later on how it changes the way that people see how an action sequence or a sort of a, a, sort of a scene of intensity and violence has now changed. And how we incorporate much higher stakes into it. So it's not just about, well, a zombie's coming, so I'm going to stab it in the head or shoot it in the head. It's actually, you've got to fight it. Yeah. And on the same way that Logan, who is just, you know, now seen as more of a person than a character. So Logan, obviously being Wolverine and, and Wolverine being Logan, this one really shows the person and what he has to go through. Particular to though Kingsman is, is that I think that it really highlights, again, how characters have to fight and how characters yeah. have to get involved in the rock to establish their own brand and narrative and i thought that worked well for kingsman i mean i had some you know points about it that we'll get to when we rate it but mm. i don't think it was so flawless in the way that it dealt with ultra violence that it was unique so no I don't. it's definitely not no unique. it's not unique i think that, that the things that i like about it also the things that i think i don't like about it it is kind of a remake really of kick-ass they've sort of remade it in the style and They've taken a comic book and made it into a film and made it very successful and it's very slick and it's got the same kind of actors in it as well. Kind of, So I think because it's so slick, because it's so knowing, because it's so stylized, it all works, but 
it's nothing new that we've seen from them they, they are right. sort of recycling the same ideas which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you like that mm -hmm. and also you know it is a lot of fun and there is you can't take this seriously and everyone in no. there is basically yeah. a little bit of a stereotype Completely. because they have to and you know starting off with a spy genre anyway you it's got to be ridiculous so <laughs> for someone who is not a James Bond fan at all I mean I did enjoy it but spy genre is not not really my, my biggest one and um yeah but it's it is a lot it's of good fun. fun yeah yeah how much of a vehicle do you think this was Taron yeah in terms of what he's now doing as, as a complete opposite with um, Eddie the Eagle. I think he's been he's been a rising star for, for a while. Mm. This is, they wouldn't put him in this kind of film if, it, if they didn't see some kind of stock in him before. And then take him on to more, what, what, you know, quote unquote, serious projects. That's it, yeah. Well, one of my friends is a, is a cinematographer and has worked on quite a few things from Shameless through to films, Hollywood films and stuff like that. And he's seen Taron in a few different things going forward. And he's just like, yeah, keep an eye on this kid. He's uh, he's got a lot behind him. Dexter like a, Fletcher like was a, the um... like Jack O'Connell, for example. Dexter kind of... Fletcher was Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, he must have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Taron's brilliant, and he's. I think what this did for him was also make him a little bit of showcase the fact that he can actually be a leading man. He can be a little bit sexy. He can be a little bit more action because he's got that kind of face and what he's a very very accomplished character actor mm. and so that's can be a hard tradition uh hard transition and i think he manages it really well within those stereotypes and just within that complete ridiculousness so it's a really good vehicle for him to get a wider audience what I was think. the what was the tom hardy movie the cray the, the cray movie the cray uh yeah. legend yeah. legend and he was in that wasn't he was he? Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah he played and he he, he stood out did. Even against Tom Hardy as being sort of both the craze, yeah. yeah so he's one of the craze boyfriends, yes. or love interests. But again, I think it, you know either bone structure or just charisma and presence. Yeah, you you know he's he's definitely got a, a few feathers in his in his cap. It was very cool to watch. So oh, should we talk about the church? Was anyone? I know people who went to see it at the cinema when it came out, and they came out and like, fucking hell, man, that church scene was horrific. Did I you didn't... say horrific or terrific? Horrific. Oh really? Yeah, no, I well, thought it was terrific. No, in terms of like they didn't exp that that level of I don't know if, I don't know what their pedigree. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but I don't know what kind of films they've seen before. I don't know if they've seen like <laughs> Kill Bill beforehand. I don't know if they've watched many martial arts kind of films. But Maybe that... they just watched loads of Colin Firth films. Yeah, they went just talking... in and had a different experience to what a lot of people did. Well, yeah. this is right because Colin Firth in this is wicked. You did, that's I'm I'm not I'm not really a big Colin Firth fan. I didn't really like what I did with Fever Pitch. I don't really care that much for um the diary bridget jones that much i think he's he is my mom's favorite mr darcy <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's value to that he's incredible in a single man he yeah, is well, in yeah. Single man, mm, yeah it's a great film with him in but this is this for me is uh, awesome this for me is awesome into I, I can see i can see how he's a great actor mm. i can see how he's a good actor but he's not been in roles that have really interested me but this was just what awesome. do you think about tinker taylor soldier spy the great film yeah, yeah. Really and, but that. him being good in it, he was one of a. It was a cast. Is a, a few. Is a strong cast. cast it was an ensemble that yeah. that film. I don't think you could replace any of that. I think they were. So, it's such a good film. Yeah, I, that's, that I need to watch that again. Actually, Netflix, get on it. Think down it. But this was, you know, when he when he says like man manners maketh the man mm. closing the closing the pub door and it's him fighting yes for the first time <laughs> there is something wonderful about seeing colin first it was kicking it was, it was brilliant wasn't it and then we go to the church scene and he's just, he's fighting he doesn't realize he's why he's doing it 
But that's such an intense scene. I was watching it, watch the film, and then watch that scene again because there's so many, how they put it together is actually really frenetic and yeah. really. It's beautifully uh, edited. Beautifully edited. And in contrast to John Wick and The Raid, where everything's been choreographed a bit, they have edited it and put blood splatter in there, put things. I don't know how, I don't know how they made it so interesting the mm. way they've done it because it is, it's almost like a CGI effect. It's like almost like, I don't know, it's almost like. It's difficult to articulate, how, yeah. isn't it? When you watch something and it just connects. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's slightly different to what you've seen. And it, it, it just, you know, give it again, you know, we're, we're talking about a movie which is essentially translated from being a comic to a movie that mm. has to have the characters, it has to have that violence level to it. Because that's why people watch these kind of films. They yeah. want excitement. They don't, some, you know, often appreciate the, the the character work. And yeah, like you said, you know, when the bolt goes in and it's, and it's you know, it's action time. It man, has to make it, man has to make it for man. Yeah. I think for me, if it weren't for that church scene, yeah, this would be a, a much less interesting film. That okay. scene, I yeah. think is the linchpin on which this whole film kind of revolves because it is so unexpected. It is hilariously funny. Yeah. <laughs> it is you see, gloriously violent. So to be devil, devil's advocate, some people would say, that's not what I brought my kid to watch. I, or that's not what, what I came to. this? Um, is, it was a 15. <laughs> I'm not sure you should take your kids. <laughs> well, on the flip side, you know, once it goes into home entertainment, which again will be, you know, sort of appropriately rated, I think it, I think it was surprising. I mean, again, I, I I think you should just get rid of the rating system and just be a responsible adult. I think you know, um, I, I I saw Jaws way too early as a child. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, now I do get the fact that you know this the, the, the church scene was great, but it was very very raid. It was very very visceral, and I don't think that that obviously defined the story in in kind of well, this is why you're watching the movie. But you you can watch it and say, well, actually, no, this is this is about spies. This is about elitism and violence and being the best. And when, you know, the shit hits the fan, what are you going to do? But also and- it's about being sheep. When So the setup to this, obviously, is Valentine, Samuel L. Jackson's villain, has created this device via phones, which yeah, we all have. SIM cards, yeah. SIM cards that creates this almost like, like you... you referenced um 28 days later earlier 28 days which yeah. one's 28 days later 28 days later i always get confused between that and the sandra bullock movie oh 28 days with which vigo is, is... <laughs> <laughs> with about alcoholism <laughs> yes exactly where there's the rage almost like the rage virus so that's a very similar impact there that people can be sheep people can be led to do really grotesque things and what's lovely about well, not lovely but what's great about the church thing is it completely illustrates that anyone can be led, anyone can be affected mm. by you, by just these really simple, subtle implications. And so no one is better than anyone else. Everyone in that church is trying to kill each other. Yeah, and that got proved. It's just Colin's yeah. better. Yeah. And I was really, uh, there's some really cool bits in that where he's, he's shooting the gun, lo- loses the bullets but, and, and then he shoves, just, yeah, yeah. He shoves it into their face. And like, I've never seen that but before. But if, if not that, <laughs> the plot wouldn't make any sense. Like that is so necessary to the plot, but so gloriously violent. So one of our, one of our friends, Chuck or Ben, who's on the film quiz, he's, when I've talked to him about, about the Kingsman, I think when it first came out in the cinema, the scene that most affected him was, and, and Ben's, Ben's apparent, is a scene where Exit's mum. This mom, is Ben Dodd. Yes, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a wonderful Ben Exit's mum, played by Samantha Janice, is, she's affected by the same SIM cards, brainwave malfunction thing, and she's trying to break through the yes. door yeah. of the bathroom to to basically destroy her her baby her child yeah and he said he said for him that was the hardest scene to watch of the of the film and the rest of it kind of 
pales in comparison. That's, I guess that shows mm. a bit of emotion where they're the ones that aren't emotion, that they're just kind of cool, yeah. cool scenes, I think. No, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, having something like that is um, to watch. I think people connect with emotionally. Yeah. But on the flip side, you might also find in the same way that people who do take church to be a particularly emotional experience, you know, to suddenly say, well, actually, that, you know, of course, I don't think, you know, that that particular scene could happen. Mm -hmm. But it, it's finding a place of peace that suddenly gets a bit of a tornado thrown into it. I think that's it. the shock value of that scene is, yeah. is very much that, especially because it's so very English. It's very Middle England. Mm. and But obviously, the actual scene itself is in the Bible Belt in America. Yeah. So you've got those two very, not quaint, is quaint the word? This very quaint setting. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it's, a, it's a good description. I mean, on the fl I, I, know what you, I know exactly what you're saying, and I think it's just it takes something that, that can be violent like that, mm. and um, people don't like that. And, you know, Ben's a, a nice friend of mine. He, he's, he's very intelligent, but on the flip side, he's emotionally receptive as a parent, yeah. as many people are. So they're going to have... Well, he didn't like Inside Out. Oh, really? Yeah. Ben, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had problems. He had issues with it. Oh, really? Yeah. But I mean, on the flip side, though, that's, that's you know, these, these microcosms <laughs> of audiences are the ones that this movie has to appeal to. And this is what people have to understand is that when you go through the, the production of a movie like this, which is directors, producers, studio execs, and everything else, they're looking at these scenes with, with a fine tooth comb going, what, uh, is this, you know, is this going to, could that fly? And every so often there will be someone who can provide intelligent commentary on something like Ben or like anyone else who's watching it, like us, yeah. and say, well, that's what it meant and that's our understanding of it. But, I mean, again, you know, Kingsman is a good movie just because it challenges a lot of a, a lot of what you might expect this movie to be. It sets yeah. itself up in a way that you can really play with extremes. Yeah. And I kind of hope, I think there's going to be a sequel. I really yeah. hope there is. There's a sequel in the way. Yeah, I hope that it does more of that. I hope that it kind of it doesn't fall into the sequel curse of just doing the same thing over and over and, again. And Colin Firth does come back. Is is listed in IMDb. Yes. And so we'll see how. According he... to Matthew Vaughan, he they want to bring him back. They don't know how, but the idea so far, or at least when I read this article, either as an evil twin or a ghost. But he's dead. Yeah. Oh no! Sorry, guys. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. I mean, the, the sequel probably will be exactly the same, but with a different but with a ghost. story. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing I had with the church scene is that I thought it was just a little bit too excessive. Right. And I think by making it the length it was, it became less violent as it went on and lost a little bit of its impact. So you were kind of, well, I kind of, I, as it was going on the first few times I saw it, I just kind of thought, okay, how's the next person going to die? Cause, yes. Because Colin Firth clearly not going to die, but how's yeah. the next person? I was just, I was impressed by the inventiveness of what was going on. <laughs> I kind of felt that the excess of length added to the humour mm. because I got over the shock and then I was just like, this is, I know it's awful, but this is really, really funny. But I think Helen brings up a really good point because when, you know, when you start to think about, you know, what starts to entertain you, yeah. is it that next escalation or is it actually because they managed to segment something like this into the movie? Is it shock value? I mean, what would have, if you, if you could have had any sort of, influence what would have made it a better scene for you i don't know i just thought it was just a little bit too excessive maybe in, in the it's length. self indulgent yeah a little bit you say the length i mean would it just been easier to know. it's a lot free birds a long song it is quite a long song yeah <laughs> it was my whole song i mean there are, there are slightly there are quite a lot of inventive violent uses which i am a quite a big fan of like particularly the entrance of gazelle is particularly good yeah slices through jack davenport 
don't give everything away. Well, we no, have we, some surprises. We say at the top of the show, the I spoilers, know, but we could have language. just all winked at each other and went, it's really good. You'll really enjoy that. So I, there, it is a lot of inventiveness. I mean, but well, I know we've not touched on it yet, but the thing that offended me most is obviously the ending. Yeah. Which I think really. Now, hang on a second. How much do you want to give away now? Well, it's it's well publicised, and obviously and Jane Goldman and Matthew Vaughan have obviously gone on to defend it. But so tell us what tell us tell us what the ending was, and and what did Jane Goldman and Matthew Anyone Vaughan say? should turn out now and resume their podcast in a film where one of the villains is a very empowered, kick-ass female, and one of the other successful trainee spies is also a kick-ass female mm. who's yeah, very should, strong i guess and... we should highlight that in the selection process eggsy doesn't actually get chosen he he makes it to the final it's two very but, awesome roxy but it's roxy that gets chosen to be the next kingsman so we've got a film that is written by a very powerful and foxy woman with mm. two very strong female characters but features a scandinavian princess who feels that a reward for our heroes is anal sex yeah Mm. which I don't think sits. No, I think it's offensive to everyone. I think it's offensive to our hero. I think it's offensive to the film. And I don't believe that they were just, oh, riffing on, you know, the Roger Moore films. And they or quote, the old, uh, and if they quote they it's were. meant to be empowering to the woman. And is that, what, is that what they said? This is it, yeah. And yeah. we've I've had a conversation with someone about that tells this. us more about, Jane Goldman's relationship with Jonathan Ross than we ever needed to know, quite frankly. Yeah, so I I think, and I knew that bit was coming because someone had mentioned that before mm. and said that they felt that really had an effect on their experience of the film. And I think it's a shame that had to happen in it. Yeah. Because I don't like that. And I don't think it's very funny. And I think it's a shame because they have got some great female characters in it and they're awesome and it it cheapens a lot of everything about it it stops being very clever and goes for kind of a cheap shot which yeah. the whole of the film throughout the film doesn't go for the cheap shot it, yeah they do things very cleverly they do the violence very cleverly like in the church scene it's very inventive you know the spy genre is so well trodden that they kind of make things a little bit more tongue-in-cheek when he's going through the weapons, it's like, oh, this is that. And it's like, oh, no, it's not that, blah, blah, blah. The training is very inventive. It's so clever mm. to then have that moment just is a bit like, Is it oh, a forgivable really? moment? Is it just kind of it thing, you know what? It should have hit the cutting room floor. It should absolutely have been swapped. Yeah, it puts a sour note on the film. And I think it's... It's uh, not that kind of film. It no. wouldn't and even... It's, it's something that you'd expect to see in like an Austin Powers film. Well, not it's even then. Well, yeah. Kind of. is, no, I agree, not even then, potentially. But is it something that is... I remember a story from someone, and they and it was a, a, talking about Hellboy. And I don't know if anyone knows Hellboy, but it's a you know sort of Ron Perlman and a, a really cool comic book series developed from Mike Mignola's story of, of, of a kid who's basically from hell and comes into World War II Earth. And uh, he they were developing this story for the movie, and a studio exec, well, does Hellboy have to be read? Does he have to be read? And it just sounds like, from what you're talking about now, that someone said, we need to throw in some dirt. Yeah. We need to get, you know, some, you know, we're, we're ultraviolence. We, we're talking about people stabbing, you know, a gun through someone and, you know, sort of this, this, you know, the whole bit. Let's incorporate some really sort of, you know, taboo 
But I think what really, really makes it stand out is that there isn't, I mean, there That's isn't the a only romance. sex there in is, it. No. Yeah, no, there is no, no romance. Or the the only other romance is an abusive relationship. What, Eggsy's mum and... Eggsy's mum yeah. and stepdad. Yeah. So it is really, really interesting when you when you put those two things as, together, side by side, and just think, it, it is literally like, well, we've done the ultraviolence, we now need to do ultra-sex because we don't have enough sex in this movie. I'd agree with that. I'd agree. I, I, you're sort of all, almost upending everything. But you don't need that. It, it is just a really cheap... In, in a film joke. that there's so much violence in as well, yeah. the connotations is yeah. just... I mean, they're obviously making a joke of it and because it's the woman who proposes it, which mm. is where they're saying it's a joke. But then at what point does this Scandinavian princess who throughout this is... In a cell. She, yeah. And also, but the thing is, she's rebelling against the exactly. So yeah. she's seen very much as a stronger character, and she doesn't want to, you know, go in with his plan. And then she suddenly becomes a whore for whatever purposes in that role. It, it's just where did it come from? Why is it there? And why didn't they just stick with having these great female characters? It's completely unnecessary for the character to have that because at no point does he need some kind of sexual release because he's having such a great time mm. with his buddies and, and being a spy. And he seems, he seems super pleased with himself as well. He goes and gets mm. a champagne yeah. course. And, that's, um, not, that's not any of his character no. because yeah. all of his character we see is he's trying to protect his mum. Yeah. He's a bit of a roughen. Yeah. But good he's got a good heart. Because he, sto he stops. So it's just... He, doesn't, he, crash, he, he crashes is, is the car instead of hitting the fox. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But is it ever forgivable to wear a cap like that though? <laughs> I mean, you know, it depends, where you're, from. depends well, where you're yeah. from. I'm just going to say it's not. It's just, you know. <laughs> I'd like to talk a bit about the other characters, about the other people, Mark Strong and... Oh, I love Mark Samantha. Strong. Mark Strong, Mark Strong. Mark Strong doesn't make Janice a bad film. There, there aren't many bald men you can trust. You Jack can trust. Davenport as well, I think, yeah, before going into the scores. So, yeah. What Mark do you think Strong. about those? Just, just Mark say Strong. Mark Strong, yeah. <laughs> Mark okay. Strong. If Mark you've Strong. never seen a Mark Strong film, then your life is... Just not worth living. <laughs> you need to see all of them. I can't think of a bad one. I think I did watch a bad one once, or I haven't watched it because it's not very was good. Was he in so Kick-Ass 2? Yes, he... Yeah. No. Oh, no. I don't know. He was in Kick-Ass 1, one wasn't he? My favourite Mark was Strong film. Tucci. I, I sometimes get them mixed up. <laughs> yeah. <either> what? <laughs> Mark Strong is, is, for me, two two things. One, he was in Sunshine. I still have That's one of my blind that spots, is, actually. Uh, nope, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but he was in Sunshine, and I remember speaking to a makeup artist, and he said that Mark Strong is literally the nicest man I've mm. ever met, mm. ever. And he'd work with, I can't say other names now, because the, the sort of the comparator is that, you know. He's Mark also Strong, in Tinker, isn't he? Tinker's Hell is Yes, he is, yeah. Mm. So Mark Strong literally like was covered from head to toe in makeup yeah. for Sunshine, and was just, you know, eight hours, uh, you know, through and through. The nicest fella, according to this makeup artist. But also, if you look, and the second one is that if you go to View Cinemas, he's the guy who has the voiceover to say, Hello, turn off your phone, <laughs> don't text, all this other stuff. And you're thinking, like, I've heard that name before, but when you look at his catalogue, he's been in so many movies. Absolutely. And it's just someone that you, when you hear the voice and you sort of recognize as being just absolute class and quality. Mm. I don't think I've seen a bad Mark Strong film at all. We no. don't think there is one. I don't well. think there is one. He cuddled me once. Ah. Well, okay, mic drop. I mean, I say, <laughs> I say cuddle. It was just one of those brief, like, you know, the air kiss hug things that you do when you've seen someone a few times at a junket. Oh, like, it recognizes Hi again, you. that sort of thing. 
but well, it was like three times when in two you chest days. bump then you can talk when about i that, chest okay. bump with mark strong yeah, exactly. believe me, that'll be on this show who else there's samantha janice one samantha of my favorite from, from gain on For, yeah game from on. one of my favorite yeah, uh, on, yeah. yeah. honestly back in, i mean on she she has aged well she <laughs> has done very well for herself considering the fact that most actresses who would have started off at a particular you know, sort of part in their life and they can either go ahead or they or they won't i mean matthew corden is, is a really good example of this because you know janice was um uh, again game on tv show tv series and it just became an acting career for her mm. and uh, she was really good in the film really good yeah very solid i think the weakest thing is probably michael kane he's a bit he's a bit flat maybe they could have done with someone a bit snazzier who's yeah. the snazzy michael kane i don't know <laughs> i just thought he was a bit it wasn't you, a reach for him did no you, did you recognize it. luke skywalker i did yeah okay yeah it took me he looks very short, doesn't he, in this film? I, don't I think, think he, he is. I don't anyway. think he's a giant of a man. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, guys, it's time for the popcorn <gasps> interlude. Popcorn review. Popcorn My favourite part of the interlude. Very generous Popcorn Shed have given us some of their secret family recipe popcorns to try. And this flavour we've got is pecan pie. Big popcorn fans here. If you don't like popcorn, then yeah. really, <laughs> really. So <clears throat> that sound you can hear is popcorn Ooh, satisfaction. Really nice. mm. It's very nice. Mm. It's, less, it's less sweet. So this is caramel popcorn with uh, golden roasted pecans. Just to describe. Is it, it pecans or pecans? I. I it's, it's tomatoes, tomatoes, pecans. isn't it? Call the whole thing off, man. <laughs> Switch this recording off right now. So cheers to the Popcorn Shed guys with a secret family re recipe. Should we move on to the scoring? Yeah, let's do let's some do scoring. Do, 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 do. I don't know why Here I'm doing this. Here comes the scores. Kingsman. So, Michelle, this is your choice. Oh, God. Recommendability score. No pressure. I think it's a right laugh, so I'm going to say four. Nice. Sharp and to the point. Adam? I agree. I think it's a nice sort of film to recommend to anyone who's over the age of 18 and not my mum's age <laughs> or, or, or background because she would love it for the fact that Colin Firth's in it and then get mortified the fact that she'd seen him stab someone with a gun. Destroying yeah. like 100 people in a church. Yeah. Killer. Even though I'm massively, massively disappointed for that ending, I am really disappointed, guys. I'm going to give it a four. It's... Uh, just skip the ending. Yeah, maybe switch it off. Skip the ending. I was quite surprised. I wondered, because I saw this in the cinema, and I thought briefly that Netflix might just cut that out because there was a big upheaval about it, which I agreed which I agreed with. I didn't think there was any point in it. It's not very funny. They're no, the only two people who find it funny. I think it's 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 also it's very dated, really. Yeah. Basically, for the sequel, do better. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, there will be people who will be offended by it all the way through. And yeah, if you've only ever seen like the King's Speech or Sense and Sensibility, <laughs> oh, actually, or... the King's Speech was a good Colin Firth. Yeah, I really those like kind that, of actually. Colin Firth films, and yeah. that's the Firth that you like. You but might even then, though, even that movie took risks. Yeah, and I like the fact that a movie like this, even though it's completely different material and everything else, took risks, and they had to upend it. But like you said beforehand, there are certain things that keep the enjoyment level plateaued, and then they can spike. Yeah, with what you what you're paying for the for, for the movie for repeat viewing score michelle i would say 
maybe, oh God, I don't know, uh, maybe three. I would say watch the church scene on YouTube like again and again and again though. That's Because I do. Whenever I need cheering up, just Colin Firth killing people. So I'm going to call you out on that one. That's not the movie. That's the scene. And that is scene. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So three for the film. It's definitely worth a second watch or whatever. Okay. Apart from the ending or at least the best bits. Mm. If if we were just basing the scene, I'd be like 10 out of five. Come on. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say two. I think that this is a great movie to watch and, 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 you know, enjoy. But it's, you know, see it at the cinema. See it once when you've got nothing else to do. Netflix and chilling. Yeah, it's not a thinker. Exactly. That's a two for Adam Hillen. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to go... See, the thing is with this, it's one of those films that you could watch in the background yeah. and still kind of enjoy. Yeah, totally. And also, I think I'm the only one who hadn't seen it before. I just oh, is this your first, yeah, that's why I meant to ask you. It's your first time yeah, watching it. the first time I saw it because I think I was just put off by the trailer. I thought, I don't... And I, was like, I don't really want to watch this kind of a satire on spy films. And then obviously heard about the ending, which made me less inclined to watch it but you know for what it is it's pretty enjoyable and maybe i've watched the sequel maybe i'm not sure i want to watch it again if it was on mm-hmm. i probably wouldn't choose to so before you go 2.5 maybe it's a pretty easy watch i quite like the the bits where they're training yeah i think they're yeah it's quite a nice setup i like the friendships in it yeah. i think like i like the relationships i think it's good i think there's tra- easy viewing and the training like little bits that they do to them i think are quite clever mm. yeah I'd say, yeah, I'd give it a 2.5. It's, it's not, it's a good fun film. I wouldn't necessarily put it on. It'd be in the background whilst I'm cooking. And you don't to, need yeah. to watch it again. It's not like you're going to miss anything. Yeah, no. you don't need around. to concentrate. Yeah. Which is kind of what I look for in a repeat viewing, if I'm totally yeah. honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Small screen score. It's all right. 2.5, I guess, dead Where'd, in the middle. You said you watched it at uh, press screening first. Yeah, I like it on the big screen. I mean, like I say, it's not a thinker. I don't yeah. feel like you get the... The high octane violence is great in high definition. It's mm-hmm. great, but again, it's not so. Do you think your Do you think your review has changed because it's a press screener? There's the sort of an amplification of the experience that if you had just gone to. Well, you the don't cinema... get hype. You don't have any pre hype. I didn't see any trailers before it. I think the great thing about press screenings is that you do see things before there's any chatter because you're creating the chatter essentially. Right. So you do go in cold and you do go in pure. So you can just enjoy stuff in a different way, which is why I think Argo, the year that it swept, the Oscars swept it so much because we'd never seen press. Argo with Ben Affleck. Had never seen anything like that by that cast and that crew and that director. And it was a real standout moment. By the time it got to the cinemas, people were so sick of it because it had shown to press so early that there was this huge... So you do get a bit of purity, I guess, sometimes. Okay. Even with PRs going, hey, this is great. They're not, they, yeah, they kind of can't say it until you've seen it though, which is oh, well. just like, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I am, I'm a Netflix watcher. I'm a, I'm very much a, on my laptop, on my telly watcher. So yeah. I kind of like stuff that works on the screen. So I would just kind of say, I don't know. Yeah, it, it does work. Um, so what's the, what's the So score? like three or four, I guess. Which, well, you're, you're, it's your, I don't, I don't it's, it's your time to 3. rate 3.5 maybe? Yeah, 3.5. <laughs> Let's go in the middle of the two. All right. I don't think it loses much. Adam. I'd actually say the same. And the reason why I say 3.5 is because there are elements to it, like the ultraviolence, like the anal sex element to it, like the, you know, sort of the nuances, which actually, you know what, I, you might not find the same comfort level, mm-hmm. which is when you're sitting in the cinema. And to be able to watch it at home, even if it's passive, even if it's, 
you know, sit down with some, uh, you know, some popcorn, shed popcorn and just enjoy it <laughs> is, is actually very valuable. It might not change the way that you see the film, but, you know, to rewatch it, you catch up on things that aren't immediately, you know, sort of recognizable when you see it in the cinema mm -hmm. and you get to relive it. So, yeah, I think it's a, a nice small screen, small screen movie. Helen? I'm going to give it a three. I think it loses a little bit on the small screen because I think because it's so over the top and it's so ridiculous, it does deserve, if you can, to watch it on the biggest screen you've got at home because it is bonkers and it is pretty full on. So I, I was like watching it through my little laptop speakers. <laughs> I, was a bit like, oh, I probably could have done with a little bit more sound or it made it a little bit more I think that's cinematic one place. experience. I think that's one place you missed out because I... And when you talk about bonkers, there's a scene where he's doing a donuts yeah. with Dizzy Rascal's bonkers playing yeah. in the background. You, you kind of get into and it a little bit more. We're talking like about Freebird as well. Speakers are kind of vibrating by you. Absolutely. Well, pretty good Bluetooth speakers. That's probably that's probably what I'm. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think this is fair though, because if you're going to watch it, you know, hook into not even speakers like headphones. Headphones will give you a much better appreciation of sound if you're watching on an iPad or or an iPhone. I think this, you know, if you if you're going to experience a movie, you have to take responsibility for experiencing the movie. It's don't, not don't. my fault. My home cinema systems. <laughs> Get on it. When you're lying down watching stuff. Oh no, this wasn't headphones. This was just. I, I think that it works as a film. I think it works quite well if you've seen it maybe before at the cinema and you're watching it again. I think that's where yeah, the small screen score yeah, works. Fine. But I do think for me that I would have liked to experienced it maybe louder, yeah. if not bigger. So I think it it works as both. But if you you know the bigger if you've got a projector and stuff like that then. Have it big and loud. You're seeing a different way, yeah. I think I'm giving it a 2.5. I think I enjoyed it a lot more in the cinema, I think, the first couple of times. I think it was bigger and brasher. And Did you see it a couple of times in the cinema? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just, I just sometimes just think, yeah, I'll watch it again. So there wasn't anything particularly... Yeah, I, I think it's just the, the glossiness and the, the way it's been shot is really nice. And I think that works better in the, on, a, on a larger screen for me than, than it does on a smaller one. Engagement score? I think it's engaging I, I don't think it's like I said it's not kind of a critical masterpiece I just think it's a lot of fun so I'm gonna give it a four Adam you know it's funny because the reason why we're talking about it is because it's engaging and I think it's a very very good film but you know did it hold me the whole way yes it did would I watch it again would I do certain things differently if I watched it you know sort of a second time you know again it's that the way he wears his baseball cap <laughs> it really is just that awful moment when you see it in front of you no i i, I what's it called I'll, I'll give it a 3.5 i do think that you know it, it's definitely worth a second watch if you are the kind of you know sort of person who would enjoy it i think that it was connective because it is a very good translation of the comic to the the movie but yeah it's not perfect but it's good it's very you good. keep mentioning the way he wears his baseball cap yeah what about the way sam jackson wears his ascot oh don't even stop <laughs> Don't even start. You know what? What would you say, Kobe? The manners make the manners make the man. <sighs> it applies. You know when you even when you're crossing the fourth wall, Helen. Well, as a first time watcher, I was pretty engaged all the way through. I didn't even know what the runtime was. Normally, I'm pretty. Oh yeah, I mean, it does slip along quite quickly, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't feel the need to check check my phone on this one, so I'm going to give it a four because I think. Church scene was a bit excessive. Okay. Yeah. Were you bored at the end of it? It was just a bit like, yeah, like, you've done the ultraviolets to get to the next bit. Um, yeah, four. I'm going to give it a two and a half, I think. Really enjoyed it, but I just don't think you need to really pay attention until it gets to the bits where there's this stuff happening. Yeah, but you need to like watch it all. You can't 
go off and wash the bathroom no, and come back. It's like back. saying I could. I, Why are you engaged? I could, the first tune three in and tune out. Yeah, but this, <laughs> I could happily be like chopping my vegetables up and it's mm. just playing in the background, and then you're waiting for the good. Quoting, it's, it's all a good bit, but you don't really need to pay. You can absorb it without really seeing what's going on, on the screen. And then when things like the church scene, when when Colin Firth is fighting in the pub. And there's some of the scenes where the training and stuff like that we we pay attention to, but then in, intermittent to those, you can kind of go. Do you think that's what this more this, this movie boils down to? Chopping vegetables. Well, <laughs> no, key but moments. just we're just just some yeah, just key moments where you know I think there is an intelligent story behind it in the way that they craft the you know sort of what what's going to be the attention grabbing elements of it, but you know. I don't know. I, I would sort of say that, you know, engaging aspect of it, there is there is a bit of, you know, cerebralness to mm-hmm. it. There is yeah, something there. Outside the set pieces, that's when all the characters bond and there's, you know, whatever character development there is happens then. So I don't think it is all big set pieces and, you know, kind of music but, video flashing. But my point is that I could, you don't, I don't think I need to be actually Engage. looking at the screen. Right. I yeah, but be you've seen the audio, it yeah. three times now. No, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. That's, but this is my score. Correct the mondo. That's why you're giving it four. I just thought, I thought, yeah, I mean, I just thought you'd maybe rate it a little bit higher. That's yeah, I'm quite surprised. That my my score <laughs> is two point, yourself. Yeah, two point two point nine. But the average, the overall score for everyone's three point three, which I think is a fair overall score. Quite a fair score. But maybe it's just the the waning. I've seen it a few times now, so I'm happy. Fatigue. Happy being in the background. It's not like so Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Pulp Fiction. If that's on, I'm sitting down and I'm watching it. Yeah, glued to it from start to finish but this is like yeah let's put it on just, and just something pass around yeah. it's interesting you mentioned Ferris Bueller do you think that this kind of really crafted high action comic book film is like the new kind of 80s genre film do you think that's what, when we're like in 2020 looking back I think they will definitely go mm, comic books had a bit of an influence in the oh, filmmaking yeah. yeah but it's interesting in you know, the noughties and teens yeah. the beats of it the beats are so it's like the turning of the page yeah mm. so structured sorry let me just finish this Delicious piece of popcorn. <laughs> but um, no, honestly, kindred to that, though, is that, yes, you, you know, you will have, you expect a movie to look like it does based on the decade. Mm. And then as it starts to progress, you can say, actually, that the, the, the organic evolution that is to something else. So 80s to 90s, 90s to, you know, sort of noughties or millennials or I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about right now. But it, it does become part and parcel of the what you expect from a movie. Yeah, And I think that now you know, particular to this is that, yes, there has to be some kind of exit strategy. There has to be something else that takes over. And this is actually the up end of it. The Kingsman actually represents probably the best that we're going to see of this particular era to a certain extent, because it's it's combining, you know, comics and action and movies and, and visual representations of how you, you know, sort of see certain scenes. And I think it's, yeah, it's important to sort of recognize that this will be a snapshot of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. On that on that wise note, I think we'll, we'll finish there, guys. Thank so, you again for having us. Uh, Kingsman much. scores 3.3, uh, which is, yeah, fairly decent. Yeah. General recommendation from all. So, guys, can you, Michelle and Adam, give us a sound off where you come from, how can we find you, and say goodbye. Thanks again. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter or Instagram at, at Shelley Johnson, C-H-E-L-L-E. You don't know who I am. I don't know who you are, and you'll never find me. Just kidding. <laughs> no, Adam Farina, Fixer International. Yeah, if you see me at an event, high five. But again, you don't know who I am. Thanks for coming on, guys. Cheers, Thank guys. You. you again. Bye. Cheers. Bye. 
Thanks, as always, to our super special podcasting guests. Thank you. Always thanks. More thanks. More thanks than ever to the awesome guys at GL Productions for editing this show. And thank you, as always, to the mighty people for providing the tunes. Don't forget to review us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. If you want to say hello, we're on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. And full listings and information about our guests can be found on the website FlixWatcher.tv. Thank you and bye.